Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. The book of Judges represents various examples of how God deals with his people during this time period. And the stories in the book of Judges follow a certain pattern, and we see this as we continue covering the book of Judges. We see, one, Israel turns from God and serves idols. God turns Israel over to those oppressive surrounding nations. Then Israel turns to God and cries out for help. And then God raises up a judge to deliver the people of Israel. So Israel rebels, God disciplines, Israel repents, and God delivers. Which brings us to Judges chapter 6 and 7 in the story of Gideon. The title of our message today, by the way, is Gideon, the man of valor. Gideon, the man of valor. Okay? And uh, uh, Gideon is the fifth judge. And again, he was also chosen by God. What is our objective today? Our objective in this text is that we would realize that regardless of our past, that regardless of our shortcomings, regardless of our limitations, there's still hope. Because God hasn't given up on us yet. That we would be empowered by the story of Gideon to be in position to hear from God, surrender to God, and to live a life of obedience to the call of God. There are some questions I like to ask and questions that I would like for us to ponder upon as we hear this text. Number one, have I, get, have I given up hope in God because of my past? Number two, am I in position to hear from God? Number three, am I obeying the call of God or fearing man? Number four, have you forgotten where you came from? Number five, are there idols in your life that you need to tear down? And number six, am I walking in faith and trust in God? First point, it's a story about God and his people. See, Gideon's story is much bigger than even Gideon. It's like everything else in the Bible. It's a story that is actually about God and his people. It tells us of his love for them, his enduring and boundless mercy toward them, and his strength operating in spite of even through their weaknesses. And because God's people include you and me, it's also a story about us. A story about our lives, our doubts, our struggles, and above all, our possibilities as believers of God. Second point, the result of forgetting where you came from. See how quickly we can forget where we came from. During this time in Judges chapter 6 and 7, Israel's brutal 400-year state of slavery in Egypt is in the past now. So are the years of them wandering in the wilderness. 
Joshua's military conquest has nestled them right in the heart of Canaan in a land that was called the land flowing in milk and honey, which is symbolic to the fact that God continued to provide for them and be with his people. But yet, they are positioned right where Yahweh wanted them. They intended, they, where they were intended to be, they were poised and positioned for the blessing of God. This was paradise. But Israel's experience in Gideon's time reveals a stunning reality. What is that? We can spoil paradise and ruin God's abundant blessing. And the quickest way to do that is to forget the one who has blessed us with the blessings and the victory. And that is God. And that's what they did. Let's read Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. 1 through 6, rather. And I'm using the New King James translation. Verse 1, it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. For seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, whatever, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number. And they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. See... Israel, during Gideon's time, Gideon's time, is suffering because of their lapse in memory of where the Lord had delivered them from. They have become enthralled in the promised land and have disregarded the promise giver. A mindset clearly seen in their disobedience. Now, I want to read Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. And this was the instruction of the Lord given to the children of Israel when they entered the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Pezzarites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. They didn't listen to the instruction of the Lord. Judges chapter 6, 7 to 17, it says, 
And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. And then the Lord sent the prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Ophrah, which is about five miles east of uh, the house of bread, they called it, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in a winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Usually when you thresh wheat, you want it in the open field. You usually do it as high as high as elevation as there is, because when you do it, it creates a mess. But here's Gideon, he's doing it, hiding, and doing it. Why? Because of the Amalekites. And the, you know, the, the, he knew that the time was coming when they're going to come and try to destroy everything they've produced and take it from them. So Gideon, instead of doing that, so he was creating a mess, but then again, he was doing what he needed to do. And try to do it in a way where it was in a sneak and hiding it from the, those who were in the land that were oppressing them. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if not I, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that this is you who talk to me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. How many of us have the same mindset as Gideon? How many of us are questioning God and asking ourselves, God, if you are truly for real, if, if you are the God people talk about, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why did this happen in my life? Why was I raised in a household that was in chaos? Why was it when I grew up as a child, all I saw was my mom struggling because my father wasn't around? If you are the God you said you are, why am I going through that? I believe many of us are in that state. 
But look what God says. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midianites. Have I not sent you? Guess what? Perhaps God has chosen you to be the agent of change that will transform the atmosphere where you live and where you are and for your family. You could be the one that opens the door of salvation to the salvation to the rest of your family. You could be the one they'll be talking about 50 years, 70 years, 80 years, 100 years from now. If it wasn't for Victor Mercado Jr., my God, that was my great-grandfather, we wouldn't be serving the Lord today. And you know what? If you're still being challenged, this is what the Lord is saying to you and me. I will wait until you come back. Hallelujah. He ain't going anywhere. You come with your struggles. You come with whatever it is you're battling with. You bring it unto him. He is a God that's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave me or forsake me. He is waiting. He is waiting for you to press in and say, God, I need you. If you are truly the God that delivers, deliver me. If you are truly the God that delivers, deliver my brother, deliver my sister. Lord God, if you are truly the God that heals, heal, oh Father, my brother and my sister. Heal my son, oh God, from his struggle. That is the God we serve. And he still waits for you and for me. He's not giving up on us yet. Don't give up on yourself. Hallelujah. Point number three. We need to tear down the idols. Are there idols that you're entertaining? Did you get caught up like the children of Israel got caught up and mingled with the Canaanites of today? Perhaps you can't even tell what's right and what's wrong. You see, private faithfulness is the prerequisite to public usefulness. In chapter 6, verses 25-32 of Judges, it reads, Now it came to pass that the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal for, that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you had cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Verse 28. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, 
there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, small g, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day he called him Jurabel, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down the altar. See, before Gideon can be used publicly, he must first clean up his own backyard. His family was breaking the first and second commandment. Commandments. With the idols to Baal on their property. So the first assignment that Gideon got from the Lord was to take his dad, his dad's seven-year-old bull and tear down the idols. Then Gideon was to sacrifice that prized bull using the wood from the destroyed idol. That bull made a lot of money. But it didn't matter because the people of Israel, they weren't benefiting from it. They would labor for all of it to no avail because and then it came and the Gideonites and the Amalekites would come and just destroy it and take it from them. So what's the point in telling us this? A, if you want to learn how to trust God, you must first set your own house in order. Before God can use you and me mightily, he must be magnified in our life and in our home. See, private worship prepares us for public power from God. There are no shortcuts. God longs for us to worship him. So I ask, is there anything you've been holding on to? Is there any sin that you're clinging on to? Knock down those idols. Confess your sin. Deal with it. And return to full obedience to God. Now, in doing this, will it stir up things in the spirit? Absolutely. But you know what? God honors those who honor him. Just like that song. Perfect love casts out all fear. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And watch him take over.
It happened to Gideon. Evidently, this bull was a community breeding stock, like I said earlier, owned by Gideon's family, right? Verse 30 reports that the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son, he must die. But Gideon's act was already affecting change. His father, Joash, awoke to the truth. Remember, he erected that idol in his household. He fell into that trap. His father did. Not Gideon. Gideon just went along with what his father was doing. Perhaps you were part of a household where you had no choice. You were born and you realized, yeah, my father and my mother make a living, but the drug dealers. I had a family, family member that they had a nice house, Brooklyn Heights, beautiful. Then they sold it. They made like 10 times the amount of money. They paid for it, everything like that. But how did they get all that? Fool's gold. That's what it was. Dealing drugs. They never touched the stuff. That's how big he was. But what? They were an influence to poor young children. Kids. Kids that were brainwashed. It happened to Gideon. And Gideon's act was already affecting change. His father Joash awoke to the truth and stood up to the men in verse 31. And he said, would you plead Baal's case for him? If he is a god, let him plead for his own case. Point number four. God is patient with our faith process. See, if this were a movie in verse 33... Look at verse 33. The first movie, music would have been playing. <laughs> Here they are, right? The Maidenites, the Malachites, they're all waiting. There's a routine every year. They're getting ready for their annual raid of the poor Israelites. But not this time. Instead, Gideon, instead of cringing and hiding in a cave like he did, in verse 34 it says, the spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon and he blew the ram's horn and the Abirazites rallied behind him. Gideon had taken a huge step of faith in his private faithfulness. And now God's spirit was drawing people from far and wide. 32,000 men showed up ready to fight with Gideon. But point number five, it says that God is greater than our fears. Say, God is greater than my fears. So watch this. Even after this encounter with Almighty God, even though he had been obedient and he cleaned his backyard, cleaned up shop from everything that didn't belong, and even though that the Holy Spirit was empowering him, Gideon still struggled with doubts. He knows that God had promised to save Israel through him, but he's looking in the mirror 
and he does not like the reflection that he sees. Stop looking at yourself thinking that it's all you. We can't do anything on our own. God wants to partner with us. He wants to reveal to us that when we put our trust in him and he goes before us, nothing can be against us. Look at in verse 36 and 37 of chapter 6 says, Gideon says to the Lord, if you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you said, I will put a fleece of wool here on the threshing floor. If dew, if dew is only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, I will know that you will deliver Israel by my strength, as you said. I love how loving and tender and patient God is with us. Gideon is making a deal with God. Can you imagine that? <laughs> he wants a confirming sign, he says. And the Bible says that the next morning, God gave it to him. The fleece was wet and the ground was dry. Even when the doubting Thomas of the Old Testament and Gideon, in verse 39, he says the opposite. He's still not convinced. Asking that the fleece be dry and that the whole ground will be full of dew. And God graciously confirms his power to Gideon. See what the Lord was doing and what the Lord is doing with us and willing to do with us? The Lord is developing Gideon, developing us into a fully convinced servant, knowing that matching every doubt that we may have, God reassures us with his spirit. He reassures us that he's in control, that he is a present and ever-present God. God will show you and I the same patience as he did with Gideon if we continue to seek his face, allowing our fears to grow us into the man and woman of God he called us to be. Point number six, God wants all the glory. See, Victory is through God's power, not ours. In chapter 7, now Gideon is ready to rumble, but God has plans. And in Judges 7-2, the Lord says to Gideon, You have too many people for me to hand the Midianites over to you, or else Israel might brag I did it myself. God proceeds to give Gideon a couple of tests to whittle down the number, Right? So the first test is he called 22,000 out of the army, leaving 10,000. Still too many, said God. So he said to Gideon, tell them whoever's afraid they may go back home. They can leave. So 22,000 left. and left 10,000. Now in verse 4, a second test was given. God tells Gideon, now to take the men down to the water and let them drink. He says, weed out any man who stick their face down in the water to drink. Keep the ones who ladle the water to their mouths with their hands. Gideon must have gulped when he counted how many were disqualified. 9,700 were out, leaving only 300 men. Can you imagine how Gideon felt? Is there something God's telling you to do? That you're looking at your own strength and you're saying, I can't do this? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to empower you to know 
that you can do all things through Christ who straightens you. You know, in, chap in Judges chapter 8, it says, it tells us that the Midianite army totaled 135,000 men. You want to know what that ratio looked like? It was 450 Midianites to one Israeli soldier. Sending Garvey Mitchell against 450. <laughs> and the natural seems impossible, right? See, God created an impossible situation of human weakness to exalt his own strength. This is his specialty. God loves to show off. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 18, 27. He says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. <laughs> now, as we conclude, what do we know through this text? That God uses tough times to get our attention. Is he getting your attention today? God always sees more than we do. Do you see yourself as he does? God confirms his priorities with his presence. Can you sense his presence with you now, urging you to trust him? Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. Are there things in your life, in your home, that need to go so God can move in power in your life? God is patient with our faith process. He meets you right where you are with what you need. Success is determined by God's power, not ours. Will you trust him today? With your life, with your children, with your finances, your decisions, with your husband, your wife? Chapter 7, verse 8, 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came down to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their hand, left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of, the, and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion. Can you imagine that? God took the 135,000, and confusion occurred because there was strategy, strategy given to Gideon, and he used that strategy. He, they broke up into three groups, uh, groups of, uh, of 100. And Gideon had one group of a hundred that were through. They surrounded the camp. And at his beck and call, Gideon said, do as I do. And when they did that, there was confusion in the enemy's camp that began killing each other. Can you imagine that? They began killing each other and they ran. Listen to what happens. Right? 
And the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Akir towards Zarath. And as far as the border of Abel, Meholah, and Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Ashar, and Albanessa, and pursued, pursued the Midianites. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites. Seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and ceased the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. And they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the north side of the Jordan. The Lord shines again. When I was preparing this message, man, I had to stop several times. God broke me. Started resurfacing certain things. But honestly, in the beginning, what was coming out of my heart was condemnation. Man, God, I should have done it better this way. God, I really made a mistake over here. I know this is my doing. But the Spirit of God just reminded me, no, don't dwell on that. Dwell on the now. On the fact that I'm here now. Embrace me now. Allow me to carry you now. Trust me now. It's not easy to come up here. It's like a twofold effect. Here I am trying to prepare, asking the Lord to show me what to deliver. And at the same time, He's dealing with me. I want everybody to stand up to your feet. Ask the worship team to come out. Now, according to the answers to the questions we asked ourselves in the beginning of our message, if you are willing to allow the Spirit of God to change you, then lift up your hand right now. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.